0: Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. Today, we're calling this our Sunday-ish benediction. I normally put up our Benediction Each Sunday, which is a look back on the readings throughout the week. And today, it's actually Monday, so we're posting this Sunday-ish Benediction. It has been a kind of crazy couple days here in Middle Tennessee. We had quite a few tornadoes. uh, Excuse me, it was one tornado, but we had quite a bit of damage that came from this tornado here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, Several people lost their lives. Uh, The tornado was pretty scary. It was pretty close to a few miles from where we live And uh, we've had a lot of people affected with damage to their homes and loss of electricity and things of that nature. We're thankful that there's so many people. Nashville is such a great city for people who are helping and jumping in. And we just see that all over the place. But thank you for your continued prayers. And I know many of you have reached out uh, to see if we're doing okay. We're doing okay. We lost power for a a good chunk of the day, but we're uh, back at it here and just praying for those who are in need of help during this time. So today we're looking back at our readings for the week. So if you haven't, haven't had a chance to listen to our other episodes this week, I encourage you to do so. This is the second Sunday of Advent where yesterday was the second Sunday of Advent. And we look at one of the major postures of Advent, the posture of preparation. As we prepare for Christ's return for the kingdom in our midst, we are also keenly aware that we are really unable to fully prepare that our preparation is nothing in light of the preparation which God does for us. Our call then is simply to change direction, to repent, to turn from the false and hollow things and turn to God. Our Old Testament reading, Isaiah 41 through 11, God declares that the time is now for comfort. The people have been in exile long enough. They've been locked away far from home. Now is the time for forgiveness. Now is the time for homecoming. This homecoming requires a preparation, a new highway which will disrupt things. Those who live on high mountains looking down on everyone else will find themselves lowered. Those who are down and out, their lives in the depths, will be raised. Now, none of this happens because we, whether God's people or people in general, have made ourselves good enough. No, we're like grass. Even our good deeds fade away. But when everything else fades, God will stand forever. The mighty one is the one who shows his might as a nurturing shepherd. Our epistle reading, 2 Peter 3 8 through 15, is assurance to awaiting people. The Lord will come. It seems like it's been a long time, but God will be faithful. The world as we know it will dissolve, will burn away but there will be a new or renewed heavens and earth where justice will be done. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we are invited to live this different kingdom, loving our neighbors and seeking God's kingdom in the world. To do so will naturally set us apart as we wait. Mark begins his gospel, Mark 1, 1 through 8, by quoting our Isaiah reading along with other Old Testament readings and introducing who he declares as God's messenger. John the Baptist. John announces the homecoming, which was promised in Isaiah 40. John fits the part of a prophet fairly well. He's offbeat, wearing and eating weird stuff. Through baptism, John reminded Israel of their identity, that they are a Red Sea crossing people. They are a people who have been through the waters. They are a people whose very existence reveals God's faithfulness to set free. Now is not the time for mourning. Now is the time for homecoming. Some in our congregations remember their baptism. Some do not remember it. It's okay either way. I was a pretty spiritually attuned kid. I was always interested in spiritual things. I I was baptized at the age of seven. We weren't in a tradition where we baptized babies. And honestly, the only reason though I was baptized so late was because I was afraid of being underwater. (laughs) I was scared of a lot of things as a child. I was the last of my peers to learn how to roller skate or to ride a bike or to learn how to swim. So for me, there was no way baptism would be the result of peer pressure. There was no way to enter it casually. To be plunged into the waters was frightening. And as I look back on it, apprehension is actually quite appropriate in approaching baptism. If we really believe that our baptism is participation in Christ's death and resurrection, it changes everything and we ought to approach it with fear and trembling though not with terror for god always desires our good today at my church we place a, we often place a humble bowl of water at the entrance of the worship space members of the congregation are invited to dip their hands in as they walk in or as they leave i used to get freaked out when i saw churches doing this thinking that something something like superstitious was happening But in truth, when we touch the water, we are being reminded of our baptism, of the water from which we emerged on that day. We are reminded of our deliverance. We are reminded of the story of which we are a part. We are saying there's no story bigger or more important than this one. We are the people who walked with Christ through the waters. Mark begins his gospel with John's calling God's people to remember their story and to prepare them for the one who is coming, who will actually be God's presence, God's Holy Spirit with us and in us. Jesus was God's physical presence in the world, is God's physical presence in the world. And even after his death and resurrection and ascension, he did not leave us alone. The Holy Spirit lives with us, the most personal way that God could live among us. Yet we are always tempted towards other stories and by extension, other definitions of who we are. Some of the same fears that drove the different groups of the time of Jesus's earthly ministry and drove them towards counterfeit stories are the same fears that drive us today. Shame, fear of disconnection, need for control. We wrestle in fear with our own imperfections. We often believe that something is wrong with us. For some in Jesus' day, this fear led them to seek to get rid of their shame through obeying the law perfectly and by separating from others who they believed were unclean. Often, that inner shame drives us. We are so afraid of being worthless or of not being unique that it leads us to deep insecurity. We ask, what is wrong with me? For some, there's a tendency to not want to rock the boat or to ever be out of sync with the changing world around them. In Jesus' day, many of the religious leaders capitulated to Rome because Rome seemed to have what was needed for success in the world. We too often seek the approval of others, individuals, constituencies, ideologies, at all costs. For some, the issue was and is control. Many in Jesus' day responded to the persecution they experienced with violence a refusal to be oppressed any longer, even if it means turning into the very thing which they hate. We crave control because we fear that if we're not in control, we will be controlled. So we believe that to be in control is to be safe. This is really not true if you think about it. Like, driving a car gives you way more control than flying in an airplane, but it's way less safe than flying in an airplane. Control and safety are not the same thing. John is preparing the people of Israel for God's kingdom by reminding them of their story and their identity. He knew that in order for them to see Jesus for who he is, they needed to see him as the fulfillment of their story, the fulfillment of their identity, and longing as the people of God. He is their forgiveness, their justice, their peace, and their home. In the same way, the first step in preparing for God's active presence in our lives is to remember we are His. And yes, this involves repentance, a change of direction, because there are so many other things that want to define us. How often do we allow shame, approval, and control to take the center stage of our formation? The gospel of Jesus reminds us that we are not defined by these things, We are those who have been redeemed, liberated, and washed. May we hear the good news. God is here, and we are his witnesses. Comfort has come to those who have endured pain. Your sins are forgiven. Those who have been exiled are welcome home. Yes, it may seem like you've been waiting for a long time, but God will be faithful to see you through. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.